Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Who To Be A podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Jim Chisholm, and I'm joined by Examiner Sports Editor Mel Booth, football writer Rory Benson, and Man United fan Dan Rushworth. So he's going to provide some inside knowledge for us all. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing the brilliant 4-1 win over Bournemouth before previewing Saturday's FA Cup tie with Man United. But before we do, there's a message from our sponsors, Beer52. If you log into the website, type in the code Huddersfield, you can get a £29 crate of beer for £5.95. Uh, just remember to drink responsibly. Right, there's one massive talking point from Sunday, but let's start with the football. Mel, you wait and wait for a league goal and then four come along all at once. What happened? <laughs> Town from everyone was, has been telling me, everyone you speak to, they're just so happy to have seen Town playing on the front foot and actually having a go. Um, there was a real example against West Ham when we got drubbed at home, uh, where right from the kickoff, it, the ball was played out to Kwana on the right hand side. This is in the first 10 seconds, and there was a big hole behind the fullback. And all he had to do was knock the ball in it and go and whack a crossing. And Town would have been on the front foot and going and playing with tempo. And he didn't do it. We ended up back in our half, going nowhere. And, you know, the rest is history. It set the tone for me for the entire performance. But this weekend against Bournemouth, Town were really at it from the off. They played with a lot of pace and a lot of tempo. And it helped. I know we'll come down to the individuals who were in there, but I thought the general pace and tempo of the game was far better for town. Obviously, they were playing an opposition who wanted, you know, preferred the game to be open as well. Um, not one of the top six, so that helped as well. But I think just town's general demeanour of attack being the best form of defence and having a real go at the opposition it went down well with the fans and I think everyone believes that's the best way for town in these upcoming fixtures against the teams who are not right at the top that's the way that town are going to pick up the points that the, that will bring them survival Rory did did it help I think Bournemouth started with a back three I think and we got a lot of luck down the channels and we discussed before how our wing backs are often pinned in their own half we got a lot of luck and, and there were a lot of natural width. I mean, was that the key at the beginning? I think it was, but I think, as Mel sort of pointed out, that was how Town used to play before they came into the Premier League and started being a bit more defensive. Like the first few games of the Premier League, we saw that against uh, Crystal Palace, they were like exploiting them down the wings and getting crosses in, where Steve Mounier's goal came from the first one. Um, and I think they just went back to that sort of no-fear mentality which they had at the start of this season. I think maybe partway through the season start losing games and then you try and change and be a bit more defensive. Whereas actually what's brought them success early on in the season is to be aggressive and get down those channels and cut balls back to either the strikers or, or the other attacking midfielders in the box. So I think it was it was really, really good to see that they went back to what they know best under David Wagner. Uh, and, it, and it works against Bournemouth. And it was just so crucial to win against Bournemouth last weekend because of the run of games that they've got coming up. I think Tottenham's the only top-half team they play in the next seven or something like that. So to get that confidence boost and win two games in a row, which they haven't done since, I don't know, November, um, you know, it can only be beneficial going forward into the last 11 games of the season. Dan, do you have any um, comments to add as a... 
as an outsider. As an outsider. No, it was interesting to see how Town came up against Bournemouth. Um, they were on, like Mel said, they were on the front foot going forward and stuff. It's better than them just playing two banks of two banks of four with someone up front running around after the defence. Um, they're not gonna they're not gonna stay up if they don't score goals. So they've got to they've got to attack and they've shown they're quite solid in defence, but they need to be more positive on front foot so we're good on Sunday to see it I think that as well like if if you go out and attack if you get relegated at least people at the end of the season can say well we gave it a good go we, we did what we do it wasn't quite good enough that time maybe we'll do it again in, in a year or so but if you sit back and defend I think everyone at the end of the season will be like well if only we'd gone for that game if only we'd been a bit more aggressive you know who knows what would have happened I mean it's okay doing that against Bournemouth or West Brom or Palace or whoever but in reality, you can't do that against your top six. You can't do it even against you know some of the, the teams in the, the middle of the table. So is it a bit of a false dawn? Like everyone's going to expect us to be on the front foot constantly. You know, you know there are, there are a few occasions where Bournemouth could have, could have hit us on the counter and it could have been a different game. I, th- I think you're right. I think Bournemouth were dangerous on the counter. Obviously, they got the equaliser, but then Town got themselves back in front again and went away with it. But I think everyone was became scared by what happened against Tottenham I think, a little bit, obviously it's got to be done from a framework it's got to be done from a framework but there are ways to do that and I think how everyone I spoke to after the game were just so pleased that Town had a go and I think that as Rory's intimated, apart from the Tottenham game at Wembley this run of games that Town have got they can play that way for the next half dozen games. So I think people are looking at it and saying, you know, let's not worry about the last four games at this stage. Let's just go and have a right go in these matches where we are playing the teams who are in and around us. And of course, it's so close at the bottom. Anybody who puts three wins together is going to be pretty much away from it, I would reckon. So it's a big opportunity, and I think fans are keen for town to grab that opportunity against the teams who are in and around us before we have to think about playing the top that that running of the last four games in, in terms of playing on the front foot going for it and it being effective and us being clinical was Pritchard the, has he been the missing piece of the jigsaw for me I think he has I think what we saw at the weekend was him being able to to link Moy with the strikers and the wingers as well because I think that's that's something that they've really been missing and a, a natural number 10 who likes to find those gaps in between midfield and, and defence for, for the other team uh, and he just really he, he played off Steve Mounier I think it was the best game I've seen Steve Mounier have because he had Pritchard willing to go beyond him as a runner as well and collect those flick-ons which you know mm. for previously in the season if there's been a flick-on it's gone to no one and then Mounier has to sort of spin around and go after it himself and charge it down so I think not only can Pritchard play behind Mounier but he does like to get in front and stretch defences a bit more and for the type of football that Town likes to play that's the, the perfect sort of player for me I agree entirely I, I don't know why he hasn't played before the the best explanation people can come up with and of course we're not, we're not in the camp we don't know what's been going on on the training ground but the best explanation people can come up with is that, is that he was not Premier League fit stroke David Wagner fit so therefore he has to do that work on the training ground before he'll put him in to start but I would have had him in right from the outset I don't you know that that would have been the way I'd have gone about it you sign a guy for 10 million quid to play 
call him a natural number 10 um, say that he's going to bring you different things and then don't play him um, and I think that I've had people including me scratching their heads but I think he showed on uh, Sunday lunchtime just what a real asset he can be and he gives you that different dimension he can obviously play around a single striker and you know he's finished his goal really well he caused them no end of problems in creating difficulty for them ended up getting pushed over for the penalty at the end um, and he was he looked as though he was struggling you know he got a bit of a knock and a bit of a strain here and there but he still kept on going and I thought it was a fantastic effort they couldn't take him off because we'd already used the three substitutes and I just thought he gave us a real spark and I thought it was great to see I think one one other thing that he brings as well but for a small guy he's, he's got such a low centre of gravity he can't push off the ball that, that hard I think the only time he actually hit the floor was probably for the penalty mm. he just seems to be you know, he seems to just bring a lot of assets to his game, which Town really was struggling for early in the season. We talked about transitions last week, didn't we? And and that was the thing for me, the key thing in the on the counter, he makes the transitions so much quicker. But also his defensive work from the front. I mean, he, he was like a workhorse, pressing down, really aggressive. Um, I also think, Jim, you, you're quite, you're absolutely right, and he did that, and I think it helped bring the best out of Moy and Hogg behind him. I mean, Hogg was everywhere as well, and Hogg was playing slightly higher than he normally does and winning balls slightly higher. Yeah. For me, Hogg was my man of the match. I mean, I think he got the the Sky one as well. I'm not sure, but I thought Hogg was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah, he yeah. was. He, he, I think. What I'm trying to say is that I think that everyone else seen what Pritchard was about. Yeah helped elevate them slightly as well yeah. and just you know just really it, it I wouldn't say it was entirely cohesive but it certainly looked a hell of a lot better it just it just set the tone and I think even you, you mentioned Hogg and, and Moy and stuff like that but I think even the defenders Schindler and Zanker on the front foot when the ball was coming through up front to, to Callum Wilson they were trying to step in in front of him not give him any time to, to get on the ball and turn uh, and I think that's what has been missing since earlier in the season and last season Yeah, I was at the West Ham game and the town got taught a bit of a Premier League lesson in the first 60 minutes until Pritchard came on they just sat with bank of five three and two two people up front and town couldn't break them down and they pushed so many men forward that when they lost the ball three three passes and it went back at net so when then when he came on he, he gave town a little bit more impetus and Someone, someone who can like link the play. Because before that, if you stopped Aaron Moy, then you stopped the majority of Town's attacks from what I've seen. Yeah, there's, I think there's another story as well, a side to the story of that game, which is the defensive side of things. And you mentioned we played an incredibly high line, dangerously, some you know at some points, but we did restrict Bournemouth. Um, I think Stanislas' goal was fantastic, absolutely mm. cool, collected finish. But when Congolo came on, for me. We just looked. That was that's our back four for me: Congolo, Zanka, Schindler, and and Hadiyona. I mean, what did you think? Yeah, for me, I think that's those are the. I think they're the four best defenders that Town have at their disposal, and they play in different positions. So, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't. I think Malone will get a bit more of a go at home, probably uh, against the teams around them in the table. I think David Wagner sees him as a more attacking option than than Congolo, even though Congolo proved at the weekend that he can get forward as well um, but yeah I, I imagine he'll stick I mean Zanker and Schindler have been centre-backs all season and I think from now onwards he'd probably stick with Hadij and I on the, on the right as well because 
not only is he solid at the back, he can also move into midfield if you need him to. And he is arguably the best delivery in the town team at the minute. He's the only person that can cross the ball. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I, I think some of the defensive work that Hadders and I did as well at, at the weekend was absolutely terrific. He blocked a lot of crosses, stopped that supply getting into the box. Congolo's just very strong. I just think he's a very talented defender. And whether you play him at centre back, which he might get the opportunity this weekend, or you play him at, at left back, I just think he's so strong. Uh, teams are going to fear him. Yeah, um, I, I think he's been brilliant whenever yeah. I've seen him play. Uh, obviously, you know, far one, brilliant, lifted out of the relegation zone. Then Newcastle can beat Man United. Mel, I think you wanted to talk about what was happening around us as well at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it wasn't so much about last weekend what was happening it's really was looking beyond the cup tie which I know we're going to talk about shortly but and this thing about the goals um, you know because there's only West Brom and Swansea and Brighton who've scored fewer goals than Town uh, none of those teams have got a worst a worst goal difference than Town though at minus 24 the only one with a worst goal difference um, is, is Stoke who've got a, or a minus 26 so it could become crucial so we need to start scoring more goals, which I think that Rory or yourself said right at the beginning. So those, you know, to score four goals was just, you know, terrific. So I think that helped a lot. But the next round of matches, when you look at it, obviously Town were at West Brom and were bottom, so that's fourth bottom v bottom. Um, then you look at um, Stoke, who were down there, second bottom. They go to Leicester, who were eighth. Bournemouth v Newcastle, 10th versus 13th, but Newcastle are only one point above town. Yeah. So there's a massive opportunity in those fixtures. Then you've got Brighton and Swansea playing each other, 14th versus 16th, so something's got to give there. Well, forget about Liverpool and, and West Ham. I mean, West Ham are 12th, but there again, they're only three points ahead of town. So there's a massive opportunity. Burnley play. Burnley are at home to Southampton. You'd have to hope that Burnley are going to do us a favour there. Then you've got Watford in 11th. Again, only three points ahead of town. Watford are at home to Everton. And then we've got Palace versus Spurs. So we've got to hope that Spurs do us some favours there. Man United, Chelsea don't really matter to us. Neither does Arsenal, Man City, which is in the next round of matches. But it isn't until the following Thursday night because of the League Cup final or EFL Cup final. So what I'm saying is in those games, something has got to give. There could be massive turnarounds. And if Town can go and increase the problems for West Brom and improve their own by picking up three points, they really could move significantly up the table. And that's the way they've got to look at these games. I don't think any of us really expect Town to get anything at Wembley. But in the other matches, including West Brom and the ones that follow on from the, the Tottenham game, they really have got a big opportunity to move themselves up and away from that danger zone. Definitely, and I think it's so tight there. I mean, Bournemouth had gone on that had the best form, didn't they? They'd gone won seven games, and then, you know, we beat them, they lose, and there's only about six, five, six points between us. So it's, mm. f for, for me, everything looks a bit better this week. Because <laughs> it was looking pretty dire last week, wasn't it? So it's, it's been a pretty good weekend. But then there's this small matter of next weekend, the weekend coming, Man United. I'm going to start with you, Dan. You can give us the lowdown on what what our Man United are going to set up, how they prepare, what are they thinking when they come into this? I, I, to be honest with you, I think Mourinho will be thinking it's a really, really big game. You've got to think that Man City are going to win the league. Champions League, 
being honest, is probably very unrealistic. So the FA Cup is a big opportunity for United to win a trophy. And Mourinho's always got this mentality that if he wins trophies, then he's been successful. But you look back to last season, we won. Puppies, pandas, piglets, and more are all waiting to be saved in Pet Rescue Saga. Just match two or more blocks of the same color to clear the level and free those lovable pets. Remember to plan your moves so you don't run out. It's easy and fun to play, challenging to master, and a great way to bring a little color to your day. From the makers of Candy Crush Saga, King presents Pet Rescue Saga. Download it from the App Store or Google Play. On three. He's got. To, he's got to real. I think he'd be really prioritising FA Cup. So he's going to play his first string. I would be very, very surprised if it's not a strong United team. What do you think of that, Melon Rory? Um, slightly frightening, if that's true. But um, I'm not sure that. <coughs> excuse me. I'm not sure that it'll be the strongest United team. Probably. Um, I agree with what Dan's saying. I think it is a big thing for, for it is a bigger thing for United than it might have been simply because of the way things are shaping up elsewhere. Um, and of course, they got stung when they came here in the league, didn't they? Which was great. Um, I don't think any of us are going to forget that for a long, long time. Um, but it, again, it, the town and not, I don't think. I'm absolutely certain that David Wagner will just rotate his team again. I think he'll, he's got players in there who need game time, and I think he'll give them the game time. And it won't matter to him that there's an opportunity to go to the quarterfinals. Um, it's a free shot, really. And I think that we know enough about the way David Wagner goes about things already to realise that he's not going to put out what you might call his first choice. So it'd be Premier like League side. Man City last year in, yeah. in the Cup. Yeah. I hope we get knocked out personally. I don't, I don't think we can. Uh, I don't think we've got the the, the time, our resources, or resources, or players to to mount a FA Cup challenge and a, and a league challenge. So, Rory, what are you thinking? I, I think I agree with what's been said. I think it's just a much bigger game for Man United than it is for Huddersfield Town. It's you never thought. You never thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 a strange situation to to find Town in, really, but. In a way, I think that plays into Town's hands. I think having the pressure off and being able to, to just play and not really care what the result is, because if you lose 4-0, you're out of the cup, you focus on the Premier League anyway. I think in a way, that'll, that'll play to Town's advantage. And I think if players can go there, especially players who maybe don't get a sniff in the first team that regularly, they want to come in and prove that you know they're good enough to get a start in the team or get a run out in the first team. Uh, that, in addition to having the pressure off and not being a not being sort of under such intense pressure to get a result, you know, I'm hoping that it means that it's going to be a tight game. United are going to be under all sorts of pressure because if they get knocked out of the FA Cup, you know, that's more or less it for their season. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm confident, but uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be. Hugely surprised if we get another minor upset. It's a really, it's a really strange thing. Before you come back in about, you know, we town have been waiting for big cup draws for years and years and years and years and never had anything. And then the last two years they've had Man City and Man United. And this particular clash with Man United doesn't really seem to be exciting anyone's imagination at all. We've been there. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Considering that, then. How, how does Wagner approach this? 
because we've said you know against Bournemouth it was exciting the, the crowd was up for it we were going for it if you do that against Man United you're going to get killed I think he'll go Congolo Heffler in, Heffler in the middle we don't know about Smith and Lerver whether they're fit or not Malone maybe Malone maybe so you've got options there you've got options in midfield because we've got um, Williams and Billing and Sabiri Whitehead all th- as well all three could start yeah, Dean yeah. Whitehead would expect to certainly be on the bench out wide, you might need to be a bit more conservative, but you know, like Kwana could Kwana. start out there, or Kwana could pay, play up front. If you don't have to risk Mounier, is um, Dupuatra going to be fit? Um, if Dupuatra is going to be fit, I would expect him to lead the attack. That's a concern because we were yeah. saying on on Sunday, I think after the game, a few mates were saying, you know, against. Man United, I don't particularly want to risk Mounier when, when De Quattro's injured. So, you know, is it Quan or is it Scannell? That's, that's, bang Scannell on the wings. I'm just yeah. trying to protect our main squad here. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's something which might come into the thinking as well. Or is there someone, was it O'Brien, Lewis O'Brien, yeah. got onto the bench, yeah. didn't he, at, at Bolton? Um, I'd like to see Regan Bute. Regan Bute is one of these lads just doing enough to maybe get a squeak on the bench and that leaves you um, the opportunity to rest someone um, and maybe, you know, shuffle things around a little bit. I mean, we you know, we don't... Could Tom Hitz play up front? A different sort of... I don't know. How do you feel about that, Dan? That we're, we want to play Regan Bute against Man <laughs> <laughs> I'd be... If United played the strongest team, I don't want to jinx it here. And Town played a weakened team, then it might be a, could be a long afternoon. But saying that, will Mourinho be thinking they're rotating players? Shall I rotate players? But it's that risk. They've just we've just lost to Newcastle. We've got Chelsea coming up the week after, and then it's into Champions League. So if we get knocked out of FA Cup, his old friend Conte is coming to Old Trafford. <laughs> we lose to Chelsea, and then we go to Seville. It's could be one of these things where that guy, that guy off um, you, off that TV show, I can't remember what his name is, Andy Tate. Andy so, Tate yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going, he wants him out. So I, I won't ever say that because he's probably the best man for the job at the moment. But could I think he'll be looking at it thinking we need, it's a big game on on Saturday. We need to win. I think one thing to say about United though is that their rotation and Huddersfield Town's rotation is very different. Like their rotation means Latani Ibrahimovic goes yeah. up front. Well, even when so. we when we when we played them away and they brought on Pogba, Martial, and Rashford <laughs> yeah. off the bench, um, is I mean, there's two th- things going on. Is we've discussed it before, but is the magic of the FA Cup is it just gone? Yes, completely. It's it's not there anymore, is it? It's, the the magic comes back. The magic is there for the f- sort of preliminary rounds up to like the third round. We occasionally get a cup upset and that kind of thing, and then it goes again. Until there's a you know a championship club in the semi-finals or something like that. The, these rounds from four to the quarterfinals, I don't think any any manager really puts any decent team out for it. If they get through to the semis, then they start looking at it a bit more seriously. But it's just the amount of money in the Premier League now. It, the, so is it is a question no then? How do you get the magic of the FA Cup back, or is it just gone? I I personally would get rid of semi-finals being played at Wembley. And move them back to neutral ground because it takes the whole, like, special feeling of getting to an FA Cup final. Like, I don't know if when Wigan won it against Man City, that their their semi-finals at Wembley. Well, they've already been to yeah. Wembley, so it's kind of 
takes out the experience of it. And then, like with replays and stuff like that, I think I don't know, can't remember like in nineties and stuff where it all done on the day. Always replays, always a thing. I think there's always replays. There used to be more replays. Yeah, they cut it down to one replay and then penalty shoot. And then the final being an R five kickoff. I can always remember it being a three o'clock kickoff nailed on. It should be. It should be made like a bigger thing than it actually is. FA Cup. Not, I think it is for the small clubs. To be quite honest, I just think the same small clubs. It is. I think it's in this circumstance for town. This is why you know, if in any other season, if Huddersfield Town were playing Manchester United in the FA Cup, it would have been huge. But it doesn't feel like that because everyone knows we've got a much bigger fish to fry. So, and that is just staying up in the Premier League. Um, and so we can have another season of playing all these clubs again, and it, you know, that is what everyone is focusing on. So really, for town, and I think David Wagner's shown it before. He's not going to prioritise it over the league. We were in the playoffs, I think, last season when we were in the cup, and he, that's our priority. We make sure we get in the playoffs. Then you've got a chance of going up. And of course, he was proved perfectly correct. And this survival battle for David. Wagner will be the only thing he's thinking about. What would you rather do? Would you rather get relegated and win the FA Cup or stay up? Stay up. Yeah, stay doubt. up without a shadow of a doubt. I'd rather, I'd rather get relegated and win the FA Cup. I'd rather do it again. <laughs> I think he only played a strong team in the replay at Birmingham for confidence. Yeah. I think if Town had been in a good run of form, he would have he would have yeah, rotated yeah. his team. It was because Town were on such a bad run of form that they needed mm-hmm. confidence, yeah. so they played. We're not going to win the FA Cup, so... Never know. <laughs> um, right, we've got some questions from Twitter from a guy called Evil Copyright. So he says Van Lapara gets pilloried for his comments about using Huddersfield Town as a stepping stone, but there's no such outrage in response to Congolo's similar comments last week. So I remember as well when Naki Wells, the first interview he gave when he came to town, he said, This is a stepping stone, I'm in the shop window, it's a selling club. He didn't get that much stick. So what gives? Do people just not like Van Lapara? I think it depends on the situation of the player at that time. I think Congolo came to Huddersfield Town on loan for game time. That's you know, Monaco aren't going to sell him at the end of the season, at least not to town, because you know it's, his price will go up massively. Um, I think to say that when you're on loan at a club and it's obvious that you're going to go back is fine. I think although he's not wrong in what he says, Van Lepera, you know everyone understands that Huddersfield Town is a, is a selling club. To come out and say that is—it's not something fans want to hear, really, is it? I think you've got to really kind of. Although he said his focus was on on Huddersfield Town keeping in the Premier League, and then he would look for a move to a bigger club or whatever he said afterwards. I think all you should be saying to the media is, "I'm I'm a Huddersfield Town player. I'm going to give everything that I can to keep us in the Premier League." You know, at the end of the season, if he if he says that and then he goes at the end of the season, I think that's that's absolutely acceptable. I just don't think, especially at this time, you really should be saying stuff like that when there's such a massive priority of staying in the Premier League. Where did, where does he go though? Because I'm a big fan of Van Lepera, and I think when we talked about transitions, he's a ball carrier in a way that a lot of us other players aren't. He can get us up the field. Yeah, but he can't cross the ball and he can't shoot. So where does he go from Huddersfield Town? Where does he think he goes? So, I- yeah, I mean, it's it's a very fair question. I think it's it's not so much that he can't shoot and he can't cross. I think it's more that he chooses the wrong option a lot of the time. And that doesn't endear him 
to people. They don't think there's an end product. And I think the bulk of the critics, to be quite honest, Jim, and you said you're a fan of his, the bulk of the critics feel that he's got much more to prove because of the fact that there isn't really an end product from that spectacular goal against West Brom, was it? Yeah. And, you know, fantastic. Um, but I don't think there has been enough, um, either in terms of threat to the opposition um, from end product and linking with his teammates, he doesn't get his head up often enough to pick the right option. And I think that's the only reason he's coming for stick at this moment in time. I think he's improved quite a lot this season. I think he, I think he's looked better in the Premier League than he did in the Championship at times. I think he's he's like you say he's one of the natural ball carriers and I think to, he gets town out of trouble quite a lot by you know working his way up the field and getting fouled and that kind of thing um, and I do think he'll probably stay in the if, if he does leave Huddersfield Town I do think he'll stay in the Premier League but it depends if Huddersfield Town stay in the Premier League this season where can he go which would be a, a jump from yeah, there that's what I mean because you've got you've got the top nine clubs he's probably not going to go to any of them do you guys want him Absolutely. <laughs> so you've got 11, 11 clubs below. Three of them are going to go down. One of them may be Huddersfield. It might not be. If Huddersfield stay up, none of them really look like a significant there might, move. There might be an appropriate slot for him abroad. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's talking about going to a bigger club. It might, it might that bigger club might not be in this mm-hmm. country. Who knows? But you know, he's every right to be ambitious. I've no, nothing against him for for that. I just think that. The, the the critics are really wanting to see some more from him and that you always get a player at any club and at any time Man United have probably got one where the fans can't see why the manager likes the player so much and I think Van Lepera might be one of those the manager clearly likes what he does and he talks about his defensive work and how he's improved and, and he wouldn't pick him week after week if he didn't think he was doing a good job for the team and there seems to be always a player whether it's town or anywhere else, where a section of fans wonder why that particular player, they can't see it, why he gets picked all the time and what he does, and they can't appreciate what he does, and maybe he's just one of those players. The other thing you mentioned in, in the interview with the other newspaper that won't be named um, is that he just admitted to diving, so it's part of the game. Um, can we go around and just have a, we'll, we'll end on this? Mel, what do you think about that? Is he is he being honest? Everyone does it, and he just. I think he's being perfectly honest. I think it's a shame that it comes down to that. To be quite honest, I really do. I much more appreciate a player who really has to be clattered before he goes down. Um, but there, are, you see, so many soft penalties, particularly given, and free kicks around the box, that you can understand why players do it, and they'll say, "Well, that's just being professional." But I think it's a real shame, and personally, it drives me to distraction. I don't like people cheating. Rory, if he wins a penalty against Arsenal on the last day of the season with a massive dive, and it keeps Huddersfield Town up, couldn't care less. I agree. I massively agree, and and that it comes down to who do you support? Who, who's who's diving? Also, I think attacking players, Tommy Smith, uh, in, if he gets in in the corner and he's in our defensive half, I mean, he dives. I mean, he must yeah. dive like fifteen times a game. I know it's, it's different; it's impact, but you know, no one cares about that. What about what about you, Dan? Where do, you team, che- do you believe in cheating or not? We're a team where nobody dives. But we've got Ashley who Sanchez who was always who was always on floor. But yeah, like like Rory said, if. If it comes to it at Arsenal and Van Lepera dies for a penalty and it keeps Town in Premier League, he'd take his suspension for it. Town yeah. fans would be, yeah, he'd yeah. be a hero. So, 
That's, that's game management. That's not game, game management. But there's, there's talk of like foreign clubs having teaching them how to dive and going down and stuff. So it's just modern football. <laughs> I don't sure as that's Friday afternoon session um, right well has anyone got anything else to add or to say would anyone like to make a prediction for the Man United game we'll do that because we've all been so wrong so far ok I'll be wrong again then I'll say it's going to be a replay I think it'll be one apiece please, please no reboot it last minute one <laughs> From a penalty where he wasn't fouled. Exactly. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going two one town. Lightning to strike twice. Wow. Damn. Oh, three nil. I'm. I'm going to go four nil. Man United. I think we'll play a three second string. Right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, go on to iTunes. Give us a five star review. Only five star reviews. We've said mm. it before. <laughs> um, and until next time. Yeah. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij Mijn Sim Only. Voor 12,50 per maand, onbeperkte minuten of sms'jes en 3500 MB 4G internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl. This is Acast Recommend. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're gonna love. April 5th, 1918. The occurrence of influenza of severe type was reported in Kansas. This flu will become the most deadly pandemic in modern history. How did the influenza of 1918 spread so far, so fast? And does it tell us anything about this next big outbreak? I'm Sally Helm, and this is History This Week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.